Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Man, Matt George with us here. Even Jesus had wine. Man, a good wine is is on point, man. My my, my wine palette, I have to I have to I have to study the art. I need to be like Dwayne Wade and, and, and those guys. Like, I need to study wine a little bit more because a really good wine is amazing. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have that feeling towards any alcohol. Okay. I don't. I just, I just drink it socially, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I have a good time with my people, but none of it really tastes that good. I had some drinks at this one place. And Karosh brought me a, a, a bottle of tequila that might, might have changed my life. It's good stuff. I I went to this uh this little speed like a little uh secret spot. Um and they had some Joe bombs. Budden over here keeping your spot secret all of a sudden. That's all right. I'll tell I mean I'll text you. I'll text you. I can't tell everybody. I drink in. like a twenty one year old white woman. I drink <laughs> all all the fruity drinks I can find. Yeah, give me those. Give me those. You can keep your scotch and your chest hair. Give me a give me a, a, a little tequila sunrise and whatever. I'm happy. Tequila sunrise. Man, you a wild dude. Hold on, ain't nothing wrong with a tequila sunrise, man. You a wild dude for that. Um, our good buddy Matt George here, who's had a a, a long week covering Kings basketball with a couple more games ahead before we look uh to to a, a very different looking Toronto Raptors that the Sacramento Kings uh will take on tomorrow. Let's go back in the week here. Obviously, the euphoria of last night's game is probably magnified a little bit by the horror from the night before. I was telling Kenny during the break that I've recently, and a lot this season, I've had the a, a, a different or almost opposite emotional reaction to a lot of games than a lot of Sacramento Kings fans to where like last or two nights ago when the Kings lost to Charlotte, my reaction was to laugh. Like I was laughing on the podcast because it was a laugh through the pain type. Like, of course, the Sacramento Kings found a way to do this again. Like, of co- we've seen this game a million times. It's the most obvious trap game on the planet. Of course, the Kings showed back up tonight in a against an 11 straight losing streak uh, Charlotte Hornets team without LaMelo Ball. Like, of course, the Kings lost that game. And then it dawned on me like, hey, this is the Kings way of they've won the first night of a back-to-back all mm-hmm. season long. This is the Kings way of them finally winning the second night of a back-to-back. And lo and behold, not only do they win on the second night of a back-to-back, they won... One of those just war type games that like it's easy for me to say this from the Kings perspective, actually, after the Kings won. But I like to believe that had the Kings lost that game, I still would have been able to sit back and go, 
what a fun basketball game that that was. It was kind of it was not as good as the uh, the the Kings Clippers game from from last season, but it was up there in terms of just an absolute battle back and forth, multiple overtimes, big shots being made, Malik putting on a show, Paolo Bancaro looking absolutely phenomenal, Demontis Sabonis doing something massive. But my emotional reaction last night, even though I enjoyed the game, I was pissed off about a, a, a number of things last night from the lack of replay reviews to DeMontis Sabonis still not being talked about stuff that we can, we can get into, but I, I, I was more fired up and, and, and pissed off and still am a little bit today than I should have been probably after how good of a basketball game and Kings win that was. Yeah, man, I, I said it um, to the Twitterverse. Uh, like I think it was telling Damien like late in the fourth. I, I think it was either a tie game or they were down one or something like that. And I said, this is a great game. This is a great game. Great effort uh, by both teams. And I simply said, this is acceptable. You know, when you talk about the Kings, I don't know how the game's going to end or nothing like this, but this is acceptable. This is something that you can look at and be like, all right, they're out there competing um, close enough to their level of basketball. So I thought it was a great game. I'm obviously glad that the Kings uh, won. But that type of fight, and, and Damien asked me a question earlier, that type of mental toughness that they showed in that mm-hmm. game is something that I want to see continue throughout the season with this team and be more consistent. I felt the same way. I thought that last night was a one of those kind of special team-defining wins. And what I mean by that is not that, okay, from this point on, the Kings are going to be the great team that Mike Brown wants them to be, and now they've figured out all their problems, and this game solves everything. But this feels like one of those wins where – Over the last week, the Kings got their ass kicked by Portland and then lost at home to Charlotte. So they've been going up and down and up and down. And that's really how a lot of their season has gone. More ups than downs because they're seven games over 500, but their losses have been bad. And when this team has fallen apart, they've really fallen apart. So I felt like last night's win was, hey, we're coming off of a bad loss on the first night of a back-to-back. Second night of a back-to-back, man, we've just been unable to, to win these games. Let's go out and win a war. Let's go out and win one of those games that's an instant classic that's hard fought that took a, a Herculean effort from multiple guys on both sides. We came out on top. I feel like that's the kind of game that recharges your batteries a little bit. Even if you're exhausted afterwards, Malik Monk playing 46 minutes off the bench or something like that. Even if you're dead tired, like you wake up today and go, man, that was fun. Malik said after the game, those are the moments that I live for, right? We're a good team. We we found a way to win that. Not only did we win that war uh, in double overtime with our backs against the wall a couple of times, we won that game without De'Aaron Fox carrying us through and being the absolute superstar that we know that he is. So we know we can play better than that, and we still won that hard-fought game. I feel like that was a battery-recharging win for the team and then also maybe for the fan base. You mentioned DeMontis Sabonis a minute ago and your your frustration with him not getting the the, the, the recognition he deserves. And, 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 and I want to get to that. But how would you explain DeMontis Sabonis' game last night to someone who didn't see it? Um, he put up numbers that haven't been put up since Wilt freaking Chamberlain did it. Like, that's all that I need to say. You don't need the context of, well, how did he score? How were, what were his assists like? Was it easy rebounds? It doesn't matter. Like, and it wasn't empty stats either because it was in a hard-fought double overtime victory, which, by the way, he got his triple-double 23 minutes into his, his game, which is the second time, the last two triple-doubles that he's had, he's gotten in 23 minutes of action. That alone is absurd. 
And then he goes and, and, and does, and he's seven triple doubles on the season, mm-hmm. second only to, once again, Nikola Jokic. It goes back to what I said, which is Sabonis is doing what only a multi-time MVP and the exalted superstar center of this generation is doing. And still, he's just not discussed or not talked about. So how would I describe what Domas did? And what Domas does is you can, with permanent ink, with a Sharpie, basically put that he's going to have a double-double on a nightly basis. Win or lose, doesn't matter how many minutes he plays, and it could be a double-double of points and rebounds. It could be rebounds and assists. It could be points and assists. Like, it does not matter. Sabonis is going to get you a double-double, and he can flirt with a triple-double before halftime, which is exactly what he did last night. He had 8, 9, and 10 going into halftime last night in a second quarter that was dominated by Malik Monk and a first quarter that was dominated like by Keegan Murray. Domas is not the focal point. And yes, these are the numbers that he's putting up. And Malik's even getting mad at him after the game saying Malik should have had a double-double last night because Sabonis smoked a couple of rebounds or layups layups around the rim, which is fun. (laughs) But like, I get fired up and I get pissed off because I had a conversation. Thank you, (laughs) D'Lo. I had a conversation with a a couple friends of ours in the the SAC media scene and ended up going for like 45 minutes during our our, our pregame dinner. So much so that everybody else that was sitting at our table literally stood up and left and couldn't take it anymore because we were going back and forth about this conversation about Sabonis and the Kings can't win with Sabonis and the Kings should consider trading Sabonis. They should have never paid him this money. Look what he did in this playoffs. It's all these one playoff series overreactions to these people that are undermining what Sabonis does. Hey, on name a names. Yeah, yeah. Who the hell was that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, I, I ain't doing that because they're my friends. They're, they're good friends. Well, that's fine. Tell us who your friends are. <laughs> <laughs> they made good points. I love them. I ain't gonna. They, they, ain't going wait, that they agreed. Them. They agreed with like Kevin O'Connell. I'll say this: uh, one of them, and I love him to death, said that uh, the Kings should con- consider moving Demonte Sabonis for a package that mainly featured Drew Holiday. That's oh. that's what was one of the things that was said, and I I I lost it at that point. And again, he's a good dude. We had long conversations about this, but this is the nonsense that I'm gonna find out who Sacramento. the hell this was. I'm gonna find out who this was. Not if I do oh, first, you, and I, I take him to Brad now, Stevens. Now, 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 just because he said, just to be clear, you're not going to tell me on the air because I'm gonna find out who it was and I'm going to out them. There ain't gonna be no. So, just for the record, because that person's listening him. right now, don't it, do it. Matt's not telling me anything. I won't allow. It, but I'm gonna find out who it was, and oh, best believe we're gonna talk about it. Are they people who can appear on this show? I, I oh yeah! All right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, Frankie. Yeah, all right, Frankie. No, no, no. All right, it wasn't all right. It was definitely not Frankie. Frankie loves Sabonis, mm-hmm. but it, it, I mean, it goes beyond yep. Sacramento. Brandon it's, Nunez, it's, I'm, I'm gonna find out. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna find out. <laughs> You're wrong. You're zero for two, but I'm not giving you any more information. Regardless, like these are the conversations that are had about Sabonis everywhere, to where people talking about when Sabonis has a a suspect game, which isn't even a bad game, but he's struggles he had 11 turnovers the other night that's absolutely unacceptable and he knows that or he'll have a game where he doesn't shoot the ball well or he only has a double double by barely sneaking over the the 10 rebound mark or whatever it is people will jump on that and talk about that and i'm not just talking about the obvious kevin o'connor and 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 john hollinger and the other those the, the like it just you see this conversation on social media you see these articles that are being written you can bring back the article from this offseason from bleacher report that names demonis Sabonis the most overrated player in the nba this stuff, this narrative that's based off of one playoff 
series. We put all of this stock into one playoff series where Sabonis didn't even play that bad. But when he's putting up numbers that literally only Wilt Chamberlain has done or nobody has done since Wilt Chamberlain nearly 60 years ago, nobody talks about this kind of stuff. And it pisses me off to where I'm going to continue to be obnoxious on D'Lo and KC. I'm going to continue to be obnoxious on Locked on Kings because if nobody's going to freaking talk about it, I'm going to talk about it enough for everybody so they understand and realize what the narrative is versus what reality is. Demontis Sabonis is a top three center in the NBA. The other two ahead of him are MVPs. Demonte Sabonis is someone that you cannot replace. He's a foundation of the offense, even with the DHO game with Kevin Herter that has dropped off. Sabonis is still averaging more assists this season than he did last season. Sabonis is someone that can take the pressure off of De'Aaron Fox for three quarters if he has to. So Fox can go for 25 in the fourth if he wants to. Or Sabonis can play a two-man game with Malik Monk last night to, to, to provide big moments and big buckets and open up opportunity for Keegan Murray on the perimeter who should not be getting as wide open of threes as he gets. Sabonis is at the foundation of what the Sacramento Kings do right. To, so to look at him first before the weaknesses to the starting lineup or the weaknesses to the bench or the defense or whatever it is, and to point that is that's what the Kings should be concerned about or the Kings can't win with that guy, I think it's just it's it's lazy, it's asinine, and people out themselves all the time by not mm. saying a damn thing when Sabonis has nights like he did last night. I don't know if he'll ever put up Wilt Chamberlain numbers again, but Sabonis is going to put up more triple doubles this season. He's probably going to finish second to Jokic in triple doubles again. He's probably going to lead the league in rebounding like he is right now for this season again. But everybody's going to label that as empty numbers because what is he going to show in the playoffs and base everything off of one playoff series where two of his five starters did nothing the third of his five starters figured things out game three and was a rookie. He had a broken hand, and De'Aaron Fox also uh, broke his finger during the course of a playoff series, and the Kings still nearly won that series. So if I'm going to continue to bring that up if people are only going to judge Sabonis based off of seven games against the Golden State Warriors, who did a fantastic job matching up against Omos. But to, to, to pigeonhole him into that's what he is and, and to say the Kings aren't going to win with him without the context of, hey, maybe let's give a team that hasn't been to the playoffs together for more than one series in damn near 20 years. Maybe let's give them a little more time and maybe another series or two to figure things out. No, it's not going to work. The Kings should not have paid him $80 million as if there was or $40 million a year as if there wasn't. A, a, a better option out there when the Kings were also killed by the way, during the trade for trading Tyrese Halliburton for someone that was a two season rental. Mm. They didn't even have to worry about that. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole. Well, good thing. Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados. Like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo. They are so let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Nah, you cooking. You are you cooking right now. far more pissed off than I realized. <laughs> He's cooking right now. Hey, you was, guys follow me. Follow me real quick. I think you guys will understand what I'm saying. <clears throat> and this is what I think happens with, with DeMontis Sabonis. Is... He is really good at basketball, really good at basketball. He understands. He, he's one of those guys where he just figures it out. Like he understands the game and he, he figures things out. I don't look at him as some gifted player. You think of the, you think of the players that are like above him. They're gifted. Anthony Davis is blessed with you know athleticism and and I'm not even saying he's ahead of him but in in that same tier right mm-hmm. uh Jokic is is you know god gifted you know what I mean Embiid god gifted Giannis god gifted I don't look at Sabonis as being that I see I see him as being somebody with a high basketball IQ who understands what he has to do to be effective now here's where the conundrum comes in he's so good even with limitations that he has physically or whatever, he's so good. He's forced his way into the same conversations as these people who were, like, blessed Mm -hmm. to play basketball. And then that's when people come in there and be like, oh, well, yeah, look at – I wouldn't take him over Giannis, though. I mean, you you need somebody like that. Well, yeah, okay, so what? That doesn't mean (laughs) this guy is not – one of the best in the game. Is any of this making sense? Like, what no, I'm it makes complete I, I, sense. Like, he's almost a victim of his own success in a lot of situations. He's a victim of the jersey that he's wearing, but it is. He's mm-hmm. a victim of of a, a bunch of trade takes that were wrong, that people will not admit they're wrong beyond, oh, it was an even trade, one of the most even trades in NBA history. They won't go further than that. And look, like, I know... All-star voting is a freaking joke anyway because it's fan voting and stuff like that. I don't have any problem with Tyrese Halliburton being the number one voted guard in the East. He's balling right now. I have a problem with De'Aaron Fox being only eighth, but at least Fox is on the list. Again, DeMontis Sabonis is doing something that only Nikola Jokic is doing more than him this season. He's back to putting up the same numbers again on a better team. The Kings have improved from last year to this year, although it's minor. And once again, some of these starters and role players aren't carrying their weight right now. The Kings are trying to figure things out. And here is Sabonis, foundation, lo and behold, he's going to have bad games. He's going to have turnovers at times. He's going to struggle. But often than not, he's going to put up numbers and be the foundation or part of the foundation of a winning basketball team. And he's not even on the freaking list. This is the perspective of Sabonis around, which is, yeah, he puts up numbers, but he does so in Sacramento. We'll only watch when he plays in in, in the playoffs. And I know a ton of people were watching last night's game because it was the bond period. It was on yeah. NBA TV. People were tweeting about the game all night long, and yet Sabonis' final stat line, you won't hear anybody talking, writing, or saying a damn thing about it. So that's why Sabonis is not on these voting lists because nobody talks about him. And it's ridiculous that they don't. And you, you know, real, real quick, you know the other dumb thing about all this is 
people jump out the window, right? With saying like, you can't win with him, which is ridiculous. If you, I'll listen to an argument and I've probably even said it sometimes. Maybe you want to get a player in here that's better than Sabonis. But not having Sabonis is not the answer. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, if Keegan Murray, mm. for instance, if he, like, Malik Monk, if they, like, yo, that's your second go-to guy. And we've had this conversation before. We said the, the team is shifting towards more Fox Monk than mm. Sabonis as far as initiating. Like, I can understand that. But getting rid of Sabonis is not the answer. Why would you say get rid of Sabonis? And then if he's as sorry as everybody says he is, how are, how are you going to improve by trading a sorry player like Sabonis? This is what they say. Mm-hmm. A sorry player like Sabonis and bringing back somebody that can get you where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Is it Uchi Wally Wally or is it one Mike? Go get Sangoon. Who is Sabonis light? That's the stuff people say, man. <laughs> it's it's it, it it doesn't make sense. Like it's just guys who kind of talk out their ass because they don't know what they're talking nice. about. They you, but you, it's like these writers become politicians because they're they're trying to talk around something they don't understand because they don't watch enough. You're right. They watched last night. Oh, Domas had what was it 20, 22, 23, 12. Oh. Okay, <laughs> not knowing that's like his eighth double double in a row, his seventh you know triple double of the season. Right. To me, it's just deeper than that, though. To me, it, but it's to me, it's just disrespectful. And if I'm Sabonis, and I, I think disagree. Sabonis, I'm sure he's bothered by it, but he's not going to talk about it. And Sabonis is the type type of guy that'll get stomped on by Draymond Green and take the podium and say, "I feel bad for getting stomped on because it took the attention away from my head coach winning the unanimous coach of the mm-hmm. year." That's the kind of person that Sabonis is. Sabonis is the kind of person that'll go to the podium and say, "Yeah, I, I could be cooking," but when when De'Aaron Fox goes to the fourth quarter. I ask him, hey, where do you want me? Do you want me to set a screen or do you want me in the corner? That's the kind of person that Sabonis is. And he's someone who's capable of leading the league or being second in the league in triple doubles, leading the league in rebounding, putting up numbers that would make every fantasy owner drool. And yet he's saying, I'm willing to do that while being the second option, sometimes defer to Keegan and even be willing to defer to, uh, to, to uh, uh, excuse me, to Malik and even be willing to, to defer to Keegan sometimes. That's the kind of player that the Sacramento Kings have. So if you have concerns because Demonis Sabonis, the Kings can't win a championship with Demonis Sabonis as their second best player, I would argue the Kings absolutely can win a championship because when Sabonis is their second best player, look the hell out. But when he's not, he's usually helping someone else play like the second best player. I don't know if Malik plays as well as Malik plays without Sabonis. I don't think De'Aaron Fox plays as well as Fox plays without Sabonis. I certainly don't think Keegan Murray plays as well as Keegan Murray plays without Demonis Sabonis. And I'm not saying that to take away from anybody else. I'm just saying this is who Domas is. This is the how essential he is to this Kings team. And he does the dirty work while also taking the crap. I, I, it's, I, it's just disrespectful the way that people talk about him, the way that they view him and undermine the things that he does. Mm-hmm. Because he puts up the numbers that cannot be ignored. So we know people are paying attention. Yeah. It's just in one ear, out the other, I guess. Oh, you, you're speaking facts, bro. Speaking facts. Chef Matt George right here. <laughs> ABC 10, Locked on Kings podcast. I was you also met- pissed at the refs last night, too, so it wasn't just no, all no, no, no. Well, it's a good thing they overturned that call that went out of bounds. Yeah, I mean, Boy. It's a good thing. I'm just waiting for Matt to throw something. That's all I'm waiting for at this point. Well, I would have. Just for Matt was- to turn the table over. I was going to because I and I, I was I even said on the pod last night like I would have felt bad for the Orlando Magic because had they found a way to win that absolute war in double overtime, 
the a lot of I think a lot of the conversation would have been that Paolo Bancaro, what should have been a Paolo Bancaro turnover. And to be honest, I'm less mad at the call going against the Sacramento Kings. I'm less mad at the NBA officials missing that call in real time and more mad about the fact that that was a massively crucial call at the end of an overtime period that had a a direct effect on who's winning and losing the game and the NBA didn't take a look at it. How is the NBA who's trying to be so transparent with the last two minute reports that nobody freaking likes and, and coaches challenges and the replay center in Secaucus and everything that you could possibly bring up that they've implemented over the last 10 years to get calls, right? That's the whole purpose is to get calls, right? And they don't care if it slows the game down a little bit, as long as they get the call, right? A massive call there at the end, you don't even take a look at, because if you did, you would have seen the angle that we all saw. It was playing on the freaking jumbotron above you in a thousand P like you would have seen that like Paulo just loses the ball off his fingers. And then Kenny, I think you made this point earlier. Look at Paolo's reaction to it. He knows he lost the ball off his fingers too. And you can see after he hit the bucket, after he hit the game tying bucket, he walks to the bench and he's going, Oh, thank God. Oh, thank Jesus. Like he's, he's thanking somebody for getting that lucky bounce going his way. So I, I honestly, I, I genuinely feel that I would have felt the same way had it been Malik that lost the ball out of bounds. If you got to get that call right, you have to get that call right, or at the very least, well, they take did. A look at that's it. the crazy part. That's to me, that's the craziest part about it. They did get it right, and then they overturned it without like even that. Looking that at that, that Just, to me is probably uh, yeah. no, that's the wildest it. part of of all of this. Is they they got it right and they overturned it. There's one, just one, and it's because I don't think I put it in my notes. One aspect of this game we have not talked about. That might have been the most well mic'd court in history. <laughs> Because I heard Jamal Mosley, I heard every bad word Jamal Mosley said for two hours. And when Paolo got hurt, oh, everybody heard that. I mean, I know every, plus it was right after halftime, so the arena wasn't quite full yet or even close to it. And man, when he belted that out the way he did, I was like, oh, this is why Kenny had dreams of Paolo pulling a gun on him. No wonder. This is crazy. Yeah, that was the most well-miked <laughs> court in history. All I heard half the game was Jamal Mosley yelling at his team in you, very explicit fashion. You know who used to be a, no pun intended, king at that in Sacramento was Jason Thompson. Jason Thompson got picked up by the rim mic all the time going for rebounds. And if he'd miss a rebound or something, everybody in the arena would hear exactly what Jason Thompson was saying, and it never stopped. I'm, I'm glad. Carmelo. I'm glad. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad Paolo's okay, because that clip's funny. That clip is hilarious. That's because he's okay. I'm glad he's okay. That clip is funny. Um, can we shift from Domas to Malik? Yes, I'm sorry. I've calmed down. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Get your stuff off, man. We love it. Um, There's more on the podcast. If you want to hear me scream at a camera by myself in an empty Golden One Center, you can go listen to that. I'd love that. That's why Locked on Kings is... uh, uh, required viewing or listening. I really do encourage the the YouTube video, by the way. I don't know if that's bad for you, but the the, the, the YouTube oh, video great. is awesome because Matt does a great job. He fills the, films the entire game for ABC 10, incorporates that into his podcast, and it's really, really good stuff. Um, I want to ask you about Malik and less about the 37 that he had last night. Certainly want to get to that point, but more about his last two nights with Mike Brown. Uh, you were around all of that. 
Mm-hmm. What's your takeaway now that it's seemingly behind us and Malik was the hero last night? It was the same takeaway that I had the night of, which is these are two fiery competitors in Malik and Mike who both want the same thing and probably have disagreements like we all do about how to accomplish that same thing. I was very much on your side with what you said yesterday, D'Lo, that like I know Malik was a minus, if you care about plus minus, Malik was a minus 11 in the five minutes of the first half that he played. He was a minus 21 for the game for Sacramento. The next closest was Keegan Murray, I think, with a minus eight. So sometimes the plus minus does tell a little bit of the story. But Malik Monk can't play five minutes in the first half. Malik Monk, unless he is dreadful, which I know he made mistakes, but it wasn't anything worse than no-show Harrison Barnes. Sorry, HB, you had a great game last night. No-show Harrison Barnes. uh, Kevin Herter continuing to struggle off the bench. Like It wasn't anything worse than what those guys were doing. And on a night where your offense never got going, that game was in the mud the entire freaking night. Malik is that guy that can help you just spark and energize. And lo and behold, in the second half, when he played 15 minutes, he hit a couple of threes. He had that moment where he turned to Mike and said something and turned to the King's bench and said something. So I, I appreciate that moment. Cause I've been calling for, I've been wanting to see some fire when this team is not playing well. I want to see someone who's pissed off and bothered about it. I posted the clip of, of De'Aaron Fox and how he handles games like that, where he said, as soon as I leave the arena, I ain't thinking about it anymore. And I asked for Kings fans thoughts on that. I think that's a very healthy approach for De'Aaron Fox. And he's been through a lot of losses here in Sacramento. So he has his way of handling it. So I didn't necessarily have a problem with it, but I, as a fan and I, as a media member wanted to see someone upset at what happened. And I got that from both Mike and Malik. Now, granted it was at each other, but again, they both want the same thing. And I thought what Mike said last night, which I wasn't there for, by the way, because a double overtime game went so late that they don't care about TV time. So we had a, a quick turnaround for stuff on ABC 10. So I actually wasn't in the press conference to, to hear Mike say this in person, but I've seen the clip. For Mike to say what he said, and and, and this is who Mike is, to, to, to admit, like, I pulled Malik aside and I apologized to him, not for benching him, I apologized to him because I didn't do my job as the coach. I didn't tell him why I was benching him. I didn't take that opportunity to to coach him after those five minutes in that first half. That I mean, that's if your head coach is willing to do that, as well as hold Fox and Sabonis more accountable than anybody else on the team at times, which different Kings players have said that over the course of the last season and a half. Like, yeah, I, I want to go to war for that guy. So that's why I think Malik has the response that Malik has too, which is, yeah, I'll, I'll disagree with him. I'll yell at him. And Malik has also said, he said last night, like he's yelled at the Kings coaching staff, tell him to shut the hell up when they're getting upset at the officials. Like Malik feels comfortable enough to do that because he has a head coach that will go back at him and they may cuss at each other and hate each other in the moment. But a minute later at the end of the timeout, Malik can pat Mike on the back and Mike can play Malik 15 minutes of that second half, and then they can get together the next day and have a conversation about it like adults. Like, that's my takeaway from it. And that is that is culture in Sacramento, mm-hmm. a winning culture mm-hmm. that we have been begging for for two decades, begging for winning culture, a culture of accountability where in the heat of the moment, things can be said, but at the very end of the day, They'll come together and work together to win. It's about that all-in contract that Mike has everybody signed. Mm -hmm. This is what we want. To me, it was 
perfection. I love to see it and love to hear it. Yeah, I I, I agree with everything you said. Hey, man, it's cooking today. You really I is. agree with everything you said because uh, I didn't like seeing it happen. You know what I mean? The 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 video that Sean Cunningham has and seeing these did guys, a great job by the way. Yeah, man, seeing these guys uh, kind of butt heads like that, I didn't like it. Now, you know, at the end of that, it gave me a little solace and. Uh, help me calm down a little bit. You know, they dap each other up and you understand these things happen in the heat of the moment. But for them to, you know, address it with each other um, and speak about how it went down, like you said, Matt, it was just perfect um, the way they both handled that situation. And one more thing about Malik too that I'll squeeze in really quick. I've changed my mind on something that I was pretty firmly in Mike Brown's corner on and it's not that I've turned against Mike. It's just I think it's time to start Malik Monk. Like I, I think mm. I think Mike has Mike has been very true to that part of his rotation. Malik Monk should be playing thirty-two to thirty-five minutes a night. He should play be playing starter minutes. And there's no doubt in my mind. It's crystal clear to everybody watching that Malik not only is the second best guard on that roster, he's a top three player on this Kings team right now. Right. And I understand, like, you want to have that boost off the bench, but you're already staggering your rotation so much that De'Aaron freaking Fox is the first guy typically being subbed out unless someone's in foul trouble. That Mike's rotations sacrifice Fox first before anybody else at times so that he can stagger those lineups and get that second unit the help that they need with Malik Monk out there. I understand the boost that Malik provides to this bench and have defended it and, and supported it all the way up until last night. But... Give me two weeks of what Malik looks like as a starter out of the gate. What kind of energy does he provide? And if and, and you can continue to stagger him and stagger Fox the way to keep them playing with that second unit. Because to me, one of the two of them has to be on the floor at all times. And Mike has gone away from that these last couple of games where he's subbed both of them out at the same time. And the Kings have looked awful during that time. No disrespect to Davion, no disrespect to Duarte or whoever he has. Uh, Kevin, it just does not work, right? It does not work without at least one of them on the floor. But both of them on the floor is when your chemistry is at its best. It's when the Kings are at their most dynamic because like Malik said, you can't stop both of them. They draw attention away from each other, which only makes the other one better. I, it's just time to start Malik Monk at this point. Give it, a, give it a try for two. It doesn't work, not because necessarily of Malik, but because the second unit just drops off a little bit. Then Mike can go to Malik and say, man, see, this is what I'm talking about. Like we love you as a starter. We think you're capable of a starter. We know you're one of the best players on this team. Your role with this second unit is so essential. We're going to move you back to that. It's not a demotion. It's a necessity. That's what I think we should go for with Mike. Hmm. I hear you. I completely disagree, but I hear you. Can can Let's Malik can Malik get starter minutes that 30 to 32 that you were just talking about without being a starter? Because he closes games. We've already got that. Like he's 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 at about 25 minutes per game, which is behind four starters in here. Uh Four starters. It's 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 he's the only one. He's he's ahead of Herder. Um, can he get to that number without being a starter? Yeah, absolutely, he can. And and maybe that's maybe that's the compromise, right? We're still bringing you, you get off the more. Bench, you get play more. Yeah, yeah. He just needs to play more than thirty minutes a night. Like he's mm-hmm. that good. And I don't think him playing only twenty five minutes is is if he plays five more minutes, I don't think that's going to tire him out to where he can't be that energizer bunny and, and and creative chaos, I like to call it, that he provides off the bench. Like, I think Malik can be that whether he's playing 35 minutes a night. Hell, he was doing it playing 46 last night. Mm-hmm. Like, play Malik. Thir- he's a top three player on this Kings team right now. Mm-hmm. He's arguably, when the Kings are at their best, it's when Malik is cooking. Like, 
And and typically that's because Malik and Fox can cook at the same time, which is pretty awesome. And that speaks to their chemistry and their history and, and how comfortable they are playing together. Right. I've already said that the, the Kings can't afford to lose Malik Monk, but whether it's making him a starter or regardless, he needs to be playing starter minutes because Mike is searching with Duarte. He's searching with Kevin Herter. We could have a longer conversation, which I'm going to have on Lockdown Kings in a future date about the fact that Sasha Vazenkov has completely disappeared, which I don't understand how the Kings can't find a way to get a EuroLeague MVP to be an impactful piece of the rotation, but that's where they're at right now. Mike is searching with his rotations a lot right now. Malik is as close to, other than Fox and Sabonis, Malik is the next sure thing that Mike has on this roster. Why wouldn't you play that 35 minutes a night? Yeah, I don't have any beef with any of that. Um, especially the searching part. We've asked that question all week, the, mm. the, the question about Sasha Vazenkov. Um, but, said it before, I'll say it again, because there has to be validity to it until Casey and I, uh, and, and, and Matt in this case, get to sit in on entirety of practices all season long. There has to be stuff happening we don't see. It can't be sure. as simple as going to the game film. There has to be stuff where they, he just doesn't feel confident putting him out there. I don't know what it is, but there's got to be something. And the way Mike is sometimes, he might just reappear in a week. It happened (laughs) with Davion Mitchell. It it happened with JaVale McGee last night. He might just, he's back like a wrestler coming back to the company. CM Punk, Sasha Vazenkov is back. It could be. Mike said as much last night. I asked him before the game. I asked him directly about Sasha, and 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 Mike said it partially was he. There's only so many minutes to give out, and he said that exact thing. Like, hey, Sasha might play tonight. It's almost like I don't know. Like he might get an opportunity tonight. But the thing that stood out about that answer to me, to me, was Mike said that nobody has separated themselves from the pack. Mm. And when I think pack, I think ninth man on, because Mm. the Kings have like an established top six. I think seven and eight are probably some combination of Duarte, definitely Trey Lyles, or they have like, I think eight are pretty, for the most part, secured and they're going to be playing, even if they're struggling. Nine onward is like, Mike's looking for someone to give me something and nobody is separating themselves from the pack. So that's why I think, I mean, that was Mike kind of tipping his cap to me of saying like, yeah, I'm, I'm searching a little bit. I'm, I'm asking for somebody to step up and give me something. Maybe Sasha just isn't right now, whether it's in practice or in games or whatever, he's just not right now. But Again, if, if you're searching, make your job easier. One of your known commodities should be playing more than he is in Malik. Okay. Well, well Matt, moral of the story, give Domas his respect and play Malik more. There's that. There's also another moral of the story. Chris says, say the name, Matt. <laughs> I, 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 name. Names. He's my boy. He's my boy. I'm not so it's him. one guy? Well, there's. I had a conversation with two. Is it people. Watkins? Who? Who? who no, it's who not wanted, Watkins. Who wanted Sabonis gone? I'm going to find out, Matt. You might, have, might Matt, was say there, it. Was I'm there, going no, to was find there, out. Was there more it. than one person that wanted Sabonis gone? Uh, no. There was one person that is super open to the idea of trading Sabonis and the other one who's willing to give Sabonis another playoff series but does agree (laughs) that the Kings should be concerned about winning with Sabonis long-term and paying him the money that they paid him. It was two two, two v. one, and I held my own on my side of the table. I'm trying to know who the Drew Drew Holiday guy was. I was stunned by it, and I I, I think you're gonna find out, to Matt. Say today, who it is. How much no. time do we have? What time is this show over? We got like a minute twenty, Matt. We have a, we dump got a minute twenty. Just say his name. I'll just dump it, Matt. No worries. No, I'm minute twenty. Let me see how quickly I could do this because we got to head to. I, I'm, I'm done saying yes or no. No, no, that's fine. 
Now I'm going to call someone. <laughs> now I'm going to call someone right now. It Was it all the usual suspects at the table? Was it all the usual suspects at the table? I can't. That's, that's no, no, that's fine. Yes, no, I'm going to hit wrong. mute. I'm going to hit mute. Let me hey, yes. No, no, hold on. I got you. You need to talk. Am I on? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm still on here. You know what's funny is I texted him last night, too, after my podcast, and I said, hey, I want you to know I'm not throwing shade at you in the podcast, but I'm talking about our conversation. And he's such a good dude, man. I'm sure he is. We're not leaving until we're oh, done with this call right here, by the way. He's on the call. He's on the phone right now, y'all. He's on the phone. He's on the phone right now. Oh, this is the worst. I'm so sorry. Yeah. We are Wait, it was me. It was me. Oh, I was arguing my with myself. Uh-oh. Oh, we got an answer. Oh, we got an answer. So <laughs> we got an it, answer. Was it, did you call Ham? Yeah. No, did you call Ham? Y'all, y'all think I'm kidding? I just called Chris Watkins. Oh, yeah, it wasn't Chris. Y'all Chris, ready you, for this? Yeah. Hey, There's people shooting their own people. You want to leave? You want to leave so you stay <laughs> no, out of trouble? I'm, I'm, I'm riding it out. It's John Dickinson and Chris Biederman. Oh. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Biederman. Okay, B. All right. Oh, yep. man. Yep. Who's the so, one who's trying to trade no, for Drew Holiday? Was, uh, uh, Dickinson is trying to trade him. That has Biederman to be would be open open to it. Okay. All right. That's the show. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> we're going to 1025. We're going to sort this nonsense out tomorrow. We're getting JD in here tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.